0: Welcome to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Brian McDonough, and with me today is David Brooks. He is the founder and CEO of Medlio. He has 13 years of healthcare technology experience, and he's an accomplished entrepreneur and digital health expert. And what we're going to talk about today is using mobile technology, using technology in general to help the primary care practice. I'm very excited to have David Brooks with me, and welcome to the program, David. Well, oh, thank you very much. Tell me a little bit about your background first of all. I know you have a lot of experience working in the field of primary care, and we could start there because you've obviously seen the challenges and the frustrations that much of our audience, many of them primary care physicians, face.
1: It's kind of interesting. I got involved in um, kind of healthcare technology about 13 years ago, and was married and um, to a physician who is a primary care physician, um, a family medicine doc, and. About, I this was about eight or nine years ago we started um, a practice um, for you know it started as a solo practice and built it to a like a three provider um, office but over that period of time I mean I was really pretty a- actively involved in kind of the healthcare technology side of things but also sort of you know war as many many people in primary care aware um, I you know as a, a spouse and a business person. I also sort of wore the hat as the office manager for the practice for about eight years. And so did, you know, have a lot of experience kind of dealing with the day-to-day challenges of trying to run a, um, a sustainable practice, you know, first and foremost, and if not a successful practice. So uh, I can definitely relate, you know, to a lot of, and I think that's kind of central to what we work on as a company. I mean, I kind of get into these conversations quite a lot where I explain, you know, it's it is really kind of near and dear um, challenge, I think, for us to to help build solutions to really make these organizations more successful because it is challenging.
0: What are some of the major barriers and some of the approaches that you feel can be helpful in in helping these practices?
1: You know, honestly, I think the number one problem as a general rule, I think, is just understanding kind of operational um, processes and finance and the challenges certainly of dealing with, um, you know, insurance, and you know, I think there's sort of basic sort of fundamental business challenges of running a small a small business. You know, I mean, most primary care medical offices are pretty much like running a, a mom-and-pop business, and then you throw on top of that the complexities of dealing with uh, fee-for-service and dealing with insurance companies, um, and then you take it one step further and have the federal government, you know, throw on a whole lot of additional requirements that make it very, I mean, you know, it would make it challenging for any large, well-funded, well-staffed organization to deal with. And yet, you know, again, most of these organizations are kind of mom-and-pop businesses trying to do, you know, trying to do everything they need to do and still be able to keep the lights on.
0: And when you look at the issues and what you've come up at, let's just go with the top couple. What were two of the big barriers where you see that you can use technology to help?
1: One is the process of of really re-engineering the patient experience in a way that creates both a better ex- experience for the, the patient um, but also in a way that, that can help, you know, medical practices run a better, more successful business, which is really, I think, around the process of kind of creating that sort of point, like creating the upfront price transparency so patients kind of know what their financial responsibilities are in a way that, I think, you know, it's very important for for medical practices to be able to collect um, patient-responsible balances, and really the only way to do that effectively is to do it up front. I think a lot of people still don't realize why that's so important to the consumer or to the patient. And so I guess those are really the two things I think is really, you know, using technology to create a better experience for the consumer but do it in a way that's incredibly important um, from a financial perspective for the organization.
0: Now, one of your products is a a basically, for lack of a better term, I would call it a virtual health insurance card that can put a traditional insurance card and in, and more or less help, I guess, kind of bridge that gap between the patients, the payers, the providers. Tell me how that works. So
1: we, you know, we digitize the insurance information. So we're doing it. You know, one we can certainly take an image of that um, the insurance card, and we can sort of manage it, you know, in a secure fashion and even share that information. Um, But beyond just taking an image of the card, we're really digitizing the information, including the member, um, you know, ID and the specific insurance company. And we're using existing infrastructure that many offices are familiar with dealing with clearing houses to submit claims and whatnot. We actually integrate the real-time eligibility verification process into the insurance card so that we can help um, take a patient or a consumer's insurance card and actually give a real-time sort of snapshot of what their underlying benefits are. So the reason this is critical is because this is important and useful information for the consumer to have in a way that is more digitized instead of dealing with um, you know a piece of paper that's out, outdated the minute it's printed. But it also actually does serve as this critical first step in, in the check-in process. Right in the overall that process that every time a patient goes into the medical practice, they should be presenting that information. That provider should be doing um, a real time eligibility verification to make sure that that you know, person does have insurance, that the, the plan is active, and, and understand what those benefits are. So it's a very crucial step, first step in the process to get to ultimately that front end cost transparency.
0: And, you know, it's funny, David, when you look at this and talk about it, there it is real. I know I, for instance, we have a project we're working on in our office where we're trying to increase the number of colonoscopies, you know, as a preventive medicine tool. And what we're finding is as our EMR has been printing and sending out documents to uh, GI specialists, the information they're getting didn't automatically have the address and contact information of the patient on that, And in addition to that, the contact information wasn't always up to date, so here you are telling a patient, it's very important you get this test, and let's face it, most of our patients, you encourage them, you get the momentum to do it, but they're not running out excited about getting that colonoscopy, you're almost giving them an excuse not to get it done if the, if the consultant can't reach them. So all those steps in setting something up need to be done efficiently, and a lot of that's on the front end, getting the right information.
1: Well, what a lot of people don't understand and it's sort of it's related to this question also related to your prior question i think is really understanding that what we're doing on the surface may look like oh that that you know that's neat right it's neat you're you're creating effectively a, a form of a digital wallet which is like i can see you know that that's something i can see some fringe population wanting to do right but it that's actually not what we're doing what we're really doing is we're creating Um, a reason for the consumer to use the application um, trying to provide value in in the process. We're actually establishing at least a form of connectivity to the insurance company. To the extent that then um, the provider is is using our software, we've now created a secure um, communication channel between the patient and the provider. And so the reason it is critical is because it's getting the patient and the consumer to embrace the solution and to update that type of information. Um, And at the same time, we're looking for the same thing from the provider. So we're really working to create compelling reasons that both sides of that transaction want to get onto this platform. And then once you do that, the the types of things you can do, there's really no limit to it. I mean, we tend to talk about front-end price transparency because we feel it's such um, an important challenge for medical providers, and we think that that's going to be something that's going to gain a lot of adoption. But the reality is, it's just a form of information we're moving you between these two parties, and there's many other types of things we can support through that channel, if we you know if, if we can build it and you know make it compelling for both sides to to join.
0: If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Primary Care today on ReachMD. I am Dr. Brian McDonough, your host, and I'm speaking with David Brooks. David is the founder and CEO of Medlio. We're talking about digital technology, technology in general, the things we can do in healthcare. Certainly I know in our practice and many of the docs who listen to this program's practice, we're all struggling with meaningful use and we're looking with our ambulatory uh, EMRs and we're looking at our inpatient EMRs and linking them with interfaces. And you mentioned about the whole idea of security and now we're going to throw in a patient portal. There's more and more and more and there's so much potential, but for the average physician it really is complicated and expensive and frustrating maybe you can address that like this stage of transition is a tough one
1: i have to sort of bite my tongue a little bit here cuz i don't want to get into too much trouble saying what my, my <laughs> views are of, of meaningful use and i mean i think there's a lot of good that's come out ultimately of emr adoption but i've been in this industry a long time and my my I do believe that, you know, when the government poured a lot of money into incentivized providers and, you know, and obviously initially focused on the front end um, carrot and, and I think before long we're going to be dealing with the stick of this, but to get people to get broader adoption of a technology that, you know, arguably wasn't proven um, five years ago, six years ago when we started down this path. And I think, you know, working as a technology startup in today's world, you'd see that there's a lot of stuff that that, that happens for a reason, right? I and mean, just because providers weren't um, adopting this technology, um, you know, several years ago doesn't mean that there, somehow there's somehow there's a it's a broken there's a a problem in the system or that we need to create these types of incentives. This is so important because what it means is we've we've created this artificial incentive to to grow the penetration of the EMR technology, which. You know, I, I've used it um, for a very long time. I think it's um, the system we use is very good, um, and I think if it's done well, it's much easier to do it when you start a practice from day one with the technology, obviously, than trying to transition into it. But it definitely can add a lot of value. But I think that the type of technology we accept in healthcare, none of us would accept for one moment, for one second, outside of healthcare, like in our daily lives as consumers. And I think we should hold the industry to the same level, that same expectation and the same standard.
0: Well, you're definitely preaching to the choir in this case because I I use the example all the time and I'm talking going three, five years back, I can play video games with my children on our television in our playroom and play children and other people all over the country and play war games and sports games, anything I want, or I can I can go, I can watch movies, I can do a million things, and yet I go into my office and I'm just clicking boxes trying to look at a patient right in their eyes while I'm also trying to click boxes thinking, why isn't this audio? Why isn't this easier? And why isn't this like the phone I'm using? And it is, there is a degree of frustration because you're right. We have to accept this because it's thrust upon us. But the potential, I believe we're almost driving Model Ts with the potential that that's unbelievable, but we seem so far away.
1: I completely agree. I couldn't agree with it more. And I mean, honestly, for, for us, it's one of the exciting things. The area that we're focused on really is just the interchange or the intersection between um, patients who obviously are increasingly becoming consumers and the providers themselves. And ironically, of all the of all the places, you know, in in the technology, like in the sort of technology landscape or within the you know within the the care environment that is completely neglected, it's it's that first point that first touch point where people come into the system and you know what's really interesting is just a couple years ago it really wasn't that important and now it's quickly becoming perhaps the single most um, point of the whole process and so we're pretty excited to really try and bring some cool technology to bear here that we don't necessarily have to connect all the way back into some of these systems where it can get really ugly very quickly so Um, You know, we're really interested in creating, you know, setting those kind of expectations where people are reaching and engaging with this technology in a way that with the same level of expectation that they would have with um, any of these consumer-facing solutions.
0: We only have a short period of time left. Are there issues that we didn't bring up or something you wanted to bring up that you felt was very important to share that, that we haven't as of this point? Well, I mean, I think, you
1: know, there's a lot of focus on, you know, across healthcare and it's such a. It's become such almost. Um, I mean, it's almost. A, it's a tricky phrase now to even talk about like patient engagement, um, because it just it means so many different things and it's been so overused. But I I personally believe that you know everybody's focused on things that we need to do in the next couple of years and and further down the road. And I think these are all very important and long important far-reaching goals. But I do think that we all. Most of us in this industry still, I think, presume or assume that we've got a level of connectivity between the key stakeholders. That doesn't exist. Like, you cannot, you cannot talk about how you're going to move more important and valuable information across the, this ecosystem um, three years from now if you can't figure out first how you're going to connect the dots, how you're going to establish a dialogue tone with these key players. And so I do think that communi- you know really all, all of this boils down to communication, and we've got to figure out how to build better and more useful tools um, to c- communicate amongst each other more efficiently.
0: David Brooks, I want to thank you for joining us. This is Dr. Brian McDonough. If you missed any of this discussion, please visit ReachMD.com slash PrimaryCare today to download the podcast and learn more about this series thank you again for listening. And David Brooks, I want to thank you very much for taking the time to join us. I really appreciate it.